reading this morning is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Treasures in heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Rosa. Should we pray? Father, I pray for all of us this morning. Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, that we would have ears to hear what you have to say to us. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray for this time together now. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I have to say that I had a little bit of a chuckle when I got given this topic. Um, two weeks ago, my daughter got married. So my main understanding of financial freedom at the moment is just a complete and utter lack of money. In fact, it felt like we've spent the last few months saying, here's our finance, please free us from it. Which I guess could be quite a good place to start. Now, I've never been big into car boot sales or selling stuff on eBay. I'm sure all of you have at times in your lives. But um, I do remember once doing a car boot sale. Good grief. I think it's when we were moving house, so 12, 13 years ago, something like that. And had a lot of stuff to try and sell. I thought it was quite good condition. I thought it was quite saleable. And I thought I might get some money here from it. It worked out. I mean... It, I guess you had it at the time, it was four or five hours sorting stuff out, being at the car boot, it was raining, and um, paid my money for my pitch. Altogether, I think I made about £20, maybe £30, something like that. But not a lot of money for the amount of time it took. Hardly a great return on investment. Now, on a larger scale, have you ever bought a brand new car, driven it off the, the forecourt, and suddenly realised... There's two or three thousand pounds just gone down the drain just by driving this car off the forecourt. Um, 
Or maybe you're trying to sell a, a house. You found someone you really like, and the house you're trying to sell isn't worth the value that you think it, thought it was. And you're suddenly trying to work out, how is this all going to balance up? Or maybe you've diligently saved for your pension, and then discovered that pension isn't worth what you're expecting it to be worth. Undoubtedly, at some time in our lives, we've felt and experienced that sort of sick feeling in our stomachs on account of money or on account of possessions. Maybe we've felt at times that our money or our possessions possess us. For being really honest with ourselves, there's probably been times when we felt that way. But I believe that God would have us know that our possessions are not owned, but they are loaned. I remember Laura t talking a while ago and saying, um, reminding us of this verse, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that means a complete shift in our understanding and our attitude to money and possessions. Now, I'm sure you've all heard that classic saying, you can't take it with you. The point of this is there's no afterlife. So live like a pagan, spend everything you can, and just go out with a bang. You can't take it with you. Now, surprisingly, in the passage we've just read, Jesus is almost agreeing with that slogan, but he crucially adds on a further sentiment. He seems to be saying, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Now this passage sits in a, a large block of Jesus' teaching that's come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the big questions that I see going through the whole of the Sermon on the Mount is, where is your heart? Are our hearts searching after ourselves or after a real, vibrant and living relationship with God? And this morning, I'd like us to look at three questions that have lots to do with our heart and lots to do with the way we treat our possessions and our finance. And the first question that I want us to look at is, where is your treasure? The first few verses of the passage that Osa read to us say, do not, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now it doesn't take much thought to uh, find examples of those who have stored up for themselves treasures on earth, and so show where their heart really is. One such example from the Bible would be the, uh, the rich young man or the rich young ruler. It's in Matthew 19. And in this dialogue, a rich young man comes and asks Jesus a question about how he may obtain eternal life. Jesus answers the man by telling him that he needs to obey the commandments. And the rich young man responds, which ones? So Jesus lists them. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honour your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourself. The young man responds that he has kept all of these things, and asks, what do I still lack? And this is where Jesus drops the bombshell on the rich young man. 
He says, go sell what you have and give it to the poor and follow me. Where was this young man's heart? You can tell by his reaction. His heart was controlled by wealth and riches. The young man is wealthy and supposedly has a lot going for him. But he's not willing to let those things go in order to follow Jesus. He's willing to love his neighbor and do the commands that are about the people around him. But when it comes down to loving the Father and having no other gods before him, he's not willing to let go of the wealth he obtained on earth in order to gain eternal life. Where is your treasure? We can spend time accumulating wealth and our treasure on earth for lots of reasons, some very good, some maybe not so good. Are we investing in the future eternity to come, or what are we investing in the here and now? Are we just enthralled and encapsulated with the temporary or with the permanent? Are we earthly-minded, or are we heavenly-minded? All of these questions are really asking the same thing, but we need to grasp this thought. Now, Jesus uses three examples to show how things we deem important are really only temporary. first one is moths. And we know that when moths, or I think it's the moth larvae, really, but when they get into our clothes, they eat holes and destroy the most expensive fabric. second one was rust. I've got a great example of this. My daughter's car, getting on a bit, went for its MOT two or three weeks ago. It failed. It miserably failed. Rust was so widespread on the underside of the car that they advised it to be completely unroadworthy and beyond economic repair. Its value now? £70 at the scrapyard. Unseen, rust just eating away. We didn't see it. And suddenly, it's taken. The third one was a thief. With money and riches comes great fear of someone taking them. Many rich people and wealthy people put walls around their houses, install CCTV and sophisticated burglar alarms, and employ security guards to protect their property. It's temporary. I go back to my slogan from a few minutes ago. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. So the question is, how do we send it ahead? How do we lay up treasures in heaven? The answer isn't only about money and possessions, though that is part of it. The answer is found in the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. The answer is found in the fruit of the Spirit that Ursula was talking about last week. The answer can also be found in so many other things. Being a cheerful giver. Saying if a man has a need of a coat and you have an extra one, give away that coat. Honoring God in your relationships. The answer can be summarized by love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the last part of that little first, first part of the passage takes us back to the heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. One of the Ten Commandments tells us, you shall have no other gods before me. When we set our hearts on things of the earth, that's effectively what we are doing. We've put our riches above God, and we're serving them, and they have effectively become our God and our whole purpose. We need to be saying to ourselves, 
The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And we need to ensure that our heart is focused on our Father God. The second question we need to be asking ourselves is how is your vision? We need to recognize our responsibility to be generous. We could look at Jesus' parable of the rich fool in Luke's Gospel. In the introduction to this parable, Jesus gives this warning. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And the parable tells of a rich man who's yielded a great crop. He decides to, to tear down his old barns and build bigger, better, fabulous barns so that he can store his, his uh, great crop. Then after he's done all that, he decides, that's it, I can retire now. And thinks he has stored up enough to last many years. So now he can sit back, relax, take it easy. And what happens? God calls him a fool and says that his life is required of him that day. Jesus completes this parable by saying, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. I think many of us, I know I do, long for the day when I can sit back and enjoy my retirement. And I seem to be getting closer and closer, although the government seems to move it further and further away from me as well. But this man was ruled by his wealth, thinking of all he had accumulated, only to die that night and see his wealth squandered and split up. He was unable to take it with him. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Our reading says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here, the eye is used metaphorically. We often use the eye to describe someone's physical condition. Someone who is red-eyed or bleary-eyed is tired. Sometimes we refer to the eyes to describe a person's feeling or their character. Someone who is dreamy-eyed is in love. Someone who is eagle-eyed is keen. Someone who is cock-eyed has a distorted view of reality. Wide-eyed, excited or surprised. And the reference to eyes here, to the, the good eyes, the healthy eyes, is implying that it's someone with open-hearted generosity. Warm, open heart shines through warm, open eyes. And the opposite of this warm, open eye is the bad eye, an unhealthy eye. If one's eye or one's perception becomes clouded by greed, the result is darkness or selfishness. Jesus is saying, if you look upon the things of the earth with a generous perspective, your life will be useful. If, however, you look upon the things of the earth with greed in mind, then your life will be wasted. Remember, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Generous people give of themselves and their money to those who, they, who have need. As a result, they will experience joy in this life and in the life to come. How is your vision? Are you living a generous life? Are you living a life that is full of good, eternal vision? I mentioned at the start about my uh, very poor experience of trying to sell stuff to car boots, a car boot sale. And we don't bother with any of that anymore. I really cannot be bothered. But nowadays, we give stuff away to people in need or take it down to the charity shop 
for them to sell. In fact, we've got this policy that Judy implemented that if we buy new clothes, then we need to make the space for those new clothes by giving away some old stuff. The final and possibly most important question that we're asked in this passage is who are you serving? Who are you serving? We need to choose our master carefully. We cannot serve both God and wealth. This question could be considered the pivotal point of the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. People often think that they can have the best of both worlds, both here on the earth, living it up and serving themselves with riches, and then a separate life later, in the future, in heaven. In this passage, Jesus states, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus is telling us, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. We cannot serve popularity and God. We cannot serve ourselves and God. We cannot even, I don't think, serve our families and God. We can only have one master. Jesus is once again challenging us to look at the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, challenging us to repent, to change our minds about earthly treasures, about the things that we formerly served, and to only serve him. You cannot do it. You cannot serve two people, no matter how hard you're trying. One or the other will lose out. Often, unfortunately, it can be God. And I remember being in a job where I effectively had two line managers, not a great organization of a company. A lot of the time it was fine, but it became very frustrating when sometimes they would both expect different and maybe opposing things from me. God and money aren't like two managers, though. They both end up demanding our full-time attention and our single-minded devotion. If we serve God with our whole heart, then the seductive love of money will be squeezed out. We need to note that Jesus doesn't say that we can't have money. He says that we can't serve it. What does serving money mean? It means that you're consumed by it. You think about it all the time. You bring it up in nearly every conversation, and you're scared to death of losing it. Serving money means that money determines everything we do. It controls us. If we serve God, we listen to him in deciding what we do with our money and what we do with our possessions. We allow God to direct our lives. We allow God to have complete control and surrender everything to him. Scary words to say and scary words to think. One day we'll reach heaven and face God and he will show us the treasures we have stored up with him. My hope and prayer is that he will say to us, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. We may say, when did we ever see you like this? And Jesus will say, whenever you did this to the lives of one of these, the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Only this heavenly treasure 
can provide genuine security and permanence. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Amen.